Good morning, church family. I just want to welcome you today as we worship our living Savior, Jesus Christ, and we have church via the internet. But we're excited because that's slowly starting to change. We're going to be able to meet. Uh, we're hoping soon. They've already moved the number to 25 to where uh, as long as we're social distancing, we can meet. And so we praise God for that. But we look forward to when we can meet in person. We believe that's the best way to do it. But we're also excited because God is using this season. Um, and before I get into all that and we begin to dive into the word, I just want to uh, just congratulate you moms there at Mother's Day. Man, happy Mother's Day, guys. Bless your wives. Uh, bless those mamas. I, if my mom's watching at home, which she, she probably will later on, mom, I love you. Uh, thank you for putting up with me. You know that I'm your favorite. Wink, wink. Um, happy Mother's Day, and may you guys be blessed. And so uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's look into Luke 7, 18 through 28. Before you read that, let me set it up a, a little bit. I want to look at just the life of John the Baptist and Jesus, just a, a, in a small but yet powerful interaction um, that, that we're really going to look on. There's some doubts or some questions from John the Baptist, but really it, it builds up faith. So John the Baptist, who's actually the cousin of Jesus, um, he was prophesied in the Old Testament that his life would prepare a way for Jesus Christ. And what he's doing is he's calling the people of Israel to repent. And you know, when someone tells you to repent or they tell you that you're wrong, it's kind of like turning it turning on the light switch in a dark room, uh, you don't always like it. So John the Baptist has some that, are, that they're repenting and they, they love his ministry, they're following him. But then some, as he's calling them into repentance, they don't like it. One of those is King Herod and he actually puts John the Baptist in prison because he told him that he was wrong, which he was, told him he was wrong and he was sinful and he needed to repent because the kingdom of God was coming. Well, John the Baptist finds himself in prison and he sends messengers to Jesus that says, Are you the one or should we wait for somebody else? So let's read that. Again, that's in Luke 7, 18 through 28. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so, and we look at this today because like John the Baptist, many of us have questions. And these questions, God, why? Why are we going through this? Why did I lost my business? Why, why am I homeschooling and trying to work at the same time? Which can be difficult. 
right? Why, why are we not meeting as a church? God, where are you in all of this? Like, these are good questions that actually can build faith. And I don't want to, and I want to look at that as building up faith. Why is that so important? Hebrews eleven six tells us this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how is faith built up? If faith is so important, in fact, we can't please God without it. How is faith built up? Like, look at one of the things that John the Baptist says here. This is John the Baptist, a hero of the faith in the New Testament. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? This isn't a compliment, right? If you imagine your spouse saying this, are you the one or should I wait for someone else? Imagine your coworkers saying that. Imagine your kids, your friends. This is a difficult but yet honest question that John has. Some believe that, that John is questioning Jesus's ministry. His message was a little bit more loving than John the Baptist. Um, some believe that he's saying, hey, Jesus, I'm in prison. My whole life has been talked about you preparing the way of what's going to happen. I mean, he's calling people into repentance. It's all for Jesus. But yet he finds himself in jail and might even die. Are you the one? Why is this happening? And so we look at, is faith being brought up? You know, I think one of the questions that, can, that we can sometimes tell people is when we doubt, well, you just need a greater um, relationship with Jesus Christ, or you need a greater interaction, or that moment with Jesus. And I believe all those things are true. But yet, John the Baptist, he's had those. He knows who Jesus is. He's the one that said, look, that, that is the Lamb who will take the sin away from the world. In fact, in Matthew 3, 13 through 17, we see that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And I want to read that to you because we need to look that, that John has had some moments with Jesus that are profound. So in, in Matthew 3, 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. You talk about a moment. That was it. So John isn't a man that's lacking faith, but he is a man that's growing in faith. Therefore, he says, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? Sometimes we think if someone is in great faith, then they'll always see a miracle. Well, if we know what happens to John the Baptist, he is executed, yet he is loved by God, walking in faith, and a part of that faith is questioning. And so this morning, what I want to look at is, is sometimes how faith is built up isn't the way we always think that it is. We, we rise up leaders and we act as if they never have a doubt. They never, they never ask questions, which that isn't true. So I want to look at some of those things today. Number one, we all struggle with following the parts of God that are mo most like us and then not following the parts of God that we can't personally relate to or understand. 
And I think when we do this, so if you are someone that maybe is more prone to judgment or discipline, or, you know, things are very black and white. You take the things of God because God is a God of judgment and you take those things and you celebrate them. Um, it, it can even maybe be a downfall in your faith because you start to think vengeance is yours when God says vengeance is his. Or maybe your personality easily um, takes the things of God that God is loving, right? But what we have to understand as we look at things, those things, God's judgment, God's love, we're not God. So we're going to be stretched. If you look at the Lord's sovereignty and His judgment, He's going to stretch your understanding of judgment and, and justice and right and wrong. If you are someone that, that, that is looking at God's love from your lens of what love is, you're going to be stretched God's love is way different than my love and different than your love. So we're all going to struggle with that. And when our faith is built up, that's what's happening. If I was God, I would do it this way. If you were God, you would do it that way. But we're not God. So we're going to struggle. And it's a good thing in that struggling. Number two, it's kind of the flip side of that. If you're not questioning or in some fear some of the time, that I would, I would say there's probably something wrong. Why? Because you're not God. If you never question or you never doubt the scriptures or even during this time, if, if you haven't had one point that you said, God, why is this happening? Then I think the flip side would be, are you really walking in faith? Or are you walking in robot mode? Jesus said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, it's far from me. Right? And when we're in an act of faith, we are going to question. We are going to doubt. The Jewish theologian um, Abraham Heschel says this, We are closer to God when we are asking questions than when we think we have all the answers. Right? When we look at the scriptures, we see God welcomes those that doubt. Every, every time there's an interaction between an angel and a human, they say, fear, fear not. Why, why do they say that? Because they know we're going to have fear. When you have those questions, because you should, bring your questions and your wrestling to the Lord and into the church, but be humble and remember you're not God. Number three, and I think this is an important one, as God is building up our faith and our questions, our fear in, in our wonderings of where he's at in this situation. This is important. Stop thinking faithful people are above doubt or that you are above being doubted by people. That is a wound that many of us need to be healed from. Right? So we put on that mask and we act like that we're not doubting. We act like that we don't have fear. Because we think our heroes don't have those. And that's simply not true. Like my kids many times think that I'm 10 feet tall and I'm bulletproof. But I'm not. Right? I have fears. I have doubts. And in those, they actually bring me closer to God. Because He is great. I am not. This wound that many of us have with maybe our leaders that have failed us, um, we don't have grace for them. We don't have understanding for them. And then we become prideful in our growing, if that makes sense. And then what about those that have doubted you? They don't see your calling. They don't see your anointing. They don't see your worth. Do you have 
grace for them because it's normal to doubt the things that you don't understand. You can't read someone's mind. So I'd encourage you today as you're growing in your faith, forgive those that have doubted you. We all struggle with criticism and being criticized. That's a part of this life. I was once told that if you're not being second guessed as a leader, then you're probably not leading. It's a part of it. And even Jesus said, Jesus said, if you are my disciples, people will follow you. You're going to have some favor. But if you're my follower and my disciple, people are going to question you and doubt you. If you've been doubted, you're in really good company. And in all of this, give grace, especially during this time. I think one of the things that's most alarming as we're looking at, at opening our, our city and our states and our country is just all the shaming going on. If you're wearing a mask, then you're not intelligent and you're full of fear. If you're not wearing a mask, you don't love people and you want to see them get sick. When we open up as a church, we're going to see faithful people come into this assembly and we're going to see faithful people that love and trust, trust Jesus discern and decide to stay at home. They're going to watch the live feed. We need to have grace as people are being built up in their faith. In our questions and in our seeking and even in our fear and doubting, the Lord draws us near to Him. So obviously you can tell in this message, I believe that we see in Scripture that our fear and our doubting draw us near to God. You can't have faith without struggling, without having questions, without having doubts. But my searching of those questions, your searching of those questions, that's not what brings us closer to God. It's actually the Lord. So that's the second thing I want to look at today. The Lord will lift your head up. The Lord will lift you to Him. King David says this in Psalms 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew my spirit and restore the joy of my salvation. King David, a man after God's own heart, who committed murder, adultery, and cover-up. And God says in His Word, he's a man after God's own heart. God lifts those up who have fallen. <coughs> Excuse me. We see that time and time again in Scripture. Moses hits the rock a third time in the Old Testament, and he's not allowed to go into the promised land. Elijah runs from a false prophetess, and the apostle Peter mocks Jesus at the crucifixion. But yet, in all the Gospels, we see the transfiguration when you're talking about Elijah and Moses. And who are the witnesses of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ as all his glory is shown to three of the apostles? On one side, it's Moses. On the other side, it's Elijah. Men that doubted, men that questioned, men that disobeyed at times. God's redemption still showed through their lives. And John the Baptist, what does Jesus say? Right after the crowds hear John the Baptist's question, and they're probably thinking, oh, John, so little faith. What does Jesus say? No one born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. It seems like God doesn't know how to pick a team. He doesn't know how to team build. He doesn't know how to see the greatest among us. Or is it sometimes in our society, we cast away those who have fallen. We put our leaders on pedestals that they should not be on because we don't always understand how faith is built. 
when you fail, get back up because part of growing is failing. As you try, sometimes you'll succeed, sometimes you'll fail. When you fall, get back up. God uses our failures, our sins, and our accidents. The ones we did on accident, the ones we did on purpose. Our wrong choices even. And when you see others fail, forgive them because God has forgiven you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that we have to remember as Christ followers. That when I see someone, I see them through the lens of the redemption of a risen Savior who forgave me, who forgave you. Right? So now when I look at people, no longer do I see a lost cause. Because every hero that we mentioned today had fallen, had questioned, but yet God said they were of great faith. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31 says this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. May the Lord build you up in this time. As you question, as you doubt, as you say, God, why is this happening? Bring those to the Lord and let him lift you up because I believe God is going to do amazing things. And we're in a time where I, I believe God is sending revival. I would have not chosen this way, but God obviously did. And we're seeing the fruit of it. People are coming to the Lord. People are asking spiritual questions. And we believe in time we're going to see even greater fruit of this. It's also a wake-up call for the church. As a pastor, are we making disciples that would do anything for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or, or are we making people that only go to church when it's comfortable? Then they only spread the gospel if it favors them. That as soon as things get shaken, they go from the question that John the Baptist asked, and instead of it building up their faith, they actually walk away from God. Many followers of Jesus Christ, when it got harder, followed away from God rather than to God. So it's a wake-up call for the church. Let's make disciples. And the definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. And as the states and the city open up and we're back together as a church, right, we're all going to have to start walking in a greater courage. I have a couple questions for you guys as we close. Number one, is your faith being built up during this season? Right? Don't let this time pass. You're going to hear this from Pastor Clint and I time and time again because we truly believe, like other pastors and leaders do at this time, that God is using this time. And so this time is going to be short. It's going to be before we know it's going to be gone. Are you allowing God to use this time to speak into your life, to speak into the quiet, to build your faith, to know that He is good no matter what? Your fears, your doubts, your questions. The second thing, are you putting your hope in Jesus Christ? Or are you putting your hope in medicine alone, in science alone, in leaders and governors alone, or in your plans and ideas, or your fears, or your questions? Are they in the hope of Jesus Christ and his gospel? What says, with man, nothing is possible. With God, there is no impossible, right? So church, may you be built up today. May you find the living God 
for when you knock, he will be found. He will answer your questions in his time. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. And that is our prayer for you today, that you will find him in greater ways. I love you guys and may the Lord be with you and enjoy the rest of your day.